0: Appreciate you joining us in the trenches with Dave Lapham, brought to you by First Star Logistics, as always coming to you from our studios, which are outstanding, none better. And man, we're talking Super Bowl 58, instant classic, particularly fourth quarter and overtime. Unbelievable instant classic. We had to talk about it. Who better to talk about it than Solomon Wilcots? Played in the National Football League with the Cincinnati Bengals, Pittsburgh Steelers, others. I mean, he played a long time in the National Football League. Now, broadcaster extraordinaire, podcaster extraordinaire. Solly was uh, uh, part, part of the Super Bowl media all week long. Uh, it was So nobody has a better perspective on the Super Bowl, Super Bowl 58 than Solomon Wilcox. And we talked to him about things that occurred, pros and cons, the yin and yang of Super Bowl 58. Uh, we talked about the Cincinnati Bengals, the impact that uh, how Super Bowl 58 unfolded Cincinnati Bengals playing both of those teams in Super Bowl 58 what it looks like down the road and we also talk about Taylor Swift and the impact the Swifties have on the National Football League and on the economy in general so it's a big education with none other than Solomon Wilcox Appreciate you joining us in the trenches with Dave Lapham, uh, brought to you by First Star Logistics, as always, coming to a, you from our outstanding studio setup here. And it's the day after the Super Bowl. So what better guy to talk to than Solomon Wilcox the day after the Super Bowl, because he was there. He was in Vegas doing a show <laughs> on Radio Row uh, for the entire week. And, uh, and, and and I'm sure he's got a lot of opinions about this uh, this Super Bowl maybe not the greatest played Super Bowl, but unbelievably exciting Super Bowl, Solly. What do you think, man?
1: Well, I I would say this for the first three quarters, I I, I don't think it was a poorly played game. It just wasn't a lot of action. You know, when both of your star running backs, Christian McCaffrey and Isaiah Pacheco, both fumble in the first half. And then the second half starts with Pat Mahomes doing interception on the Chiefs' first offensive drive, you start to think, well, is Usher the best part of the game? Is the halftime show the best part of the game? Because it was almost a snooze fest. But then the fourth quarter, that both teams kind of came alive. I just thought it was a, it's like a good heavyweight fight. Both were landing some blows. Yeah. Uh, both was landing some punches. You thought uh, the Niners uh, were in position to win it. After starting off with a 10-0 lead and then taking a 10-3 lead at halftime. But I think most of us knew that Pat Mahomes and Andy Reid were tough to bet against. You just don't do it. Yeah. And, uh, you know, in working in the age of analytics, and I'm good friends with people who work in the space. I've done some work there myself sure. and uh, understand the data. And I, I do um, see it as a positive tool to use. This is one of those moments where it lets you know none of the matrix of analytics could have pointed you to what Pat Mahomes has. I think it's that special. He is that kind of guy that's so hard to beat. You know, he's won 83% of the games that he's played in the postseason. Unreal. And and none, none of the metrics would have told you that he was going to have this kind of start to, to
0: his career. It's amazing. 28 years old three super bowl victories three super bowl mvps throws for 333 yards uh, in this football game 69 yards rushing the leading rusher accounting for 399 <laughs> yards offense i mean it, it, that's it's just it's it's absurd it's obscene what this guy is uh, is doing you know and uh but you, you made mention of it solly how about spags I mean, Spags now has won four Super Bowls, one with the Giants, three with the Chiefs, the most of any assistant as a defensive coordinator, the most as any coordinator, any assistant in the history of the National Football League. Does he get in the Hall of Fame as an assistant coach? Is he the first true assistant coach to get in the Hall of Fame?
1: Look, I, I think there would be a really good case for doing it. Um, yeah. The guys who, who, who uh, vote on this are the writers, They are the guys who are supposed to be the, quote, guardians of our game, right? The guys who chronicle uh, the day-to-day happenings in our game. And I always say that um, this is kind of how you define what a Hall of Famer is. We all know that they're great at what they do. They help impact our game in some way, form, or fashion, or at least help impact their teams, uh, the cities that they either played or coached in, but can you tell the history of our game a um, hundred years from now if you look back and you're going to tell the history of the NFL? Can you tell it without that individual? And I and I and I said this all week on Radio Row um, as we were talking about all the sort of people involved in this game, coaches and, and players alike. And I said we've all known who Steve Spagnuolo is, right? Um, he didn't have to win another Super Bowl, I said, this is the guy that stopped Tom Brady and Bill Belichick from having an undefeated season. Yep. Uh, with the likes of Michael Strahan and Justin Tuck and O.C. Uh they turned back one of the great offenses this game has ever seen. And every time I see Spags, I, call the, I said, the guy who created the game plan that stopped Bill Belichick in his tracks. And he just... He's such a humble guy, you know. He's he just smiles, but he likes it. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Oh, yeah. Because uh, I don't know that enough people give him credit for what he accomplished. I saw that game plan. The game plan for that game itself should be enshrined in Kent.
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> okay. So so that's how I've always seen Spags. I'm happy that he's doing what he's doing now, you know, um, and winning Super Bowls, and you're right. The only defensive coordinator in NFL history to win four Super Bowls as 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 a coordinator. That's just phenomenal. And it speaks to how, how you know how bright he is, how talented he is. You know, for two years in a row, he's played with the youngest defense, and all he's done is won back to back Super Bowls calling, calling defenses with a very young group.
0: Amazing. I mean, he uh gave up 16 points a game defensively in this postseason run. This and to the Super Bowl victory. year in this day and age. I mean, it was even when we were playing back in the day. You hold an offense 17 points less. You have a high, high percentage of, of winning that football game. In in today's NFL, you hold these offenses to 17 or less, and he did it to the entire playoffs, including the Super Bowl. I mean, that's just a that's just an incredible run. Um, I, you can't say enough about the guy. Let let's jump back to Patrick Mahomes for a second. I mean. I remember covering him at Texas tech and you did as well. Solly back in the days when he was there and the late, great Mike Leach, I remember talking to Mike Leach about this young quarterback and he goes, most physically gifted kid I've ever seen has got the most strength in his arm and, and accuracy I've ever seen can run like a deer. And yeah. incredibly he's got a beautiful mind. I said, is he got a higher football IQ than you? I mean, you with this, you know, run and shoot, you're doing her. He goes, absolutely. I mean, yeah. God blessed him with unbelievable resources and talent. Yeah. I mean, I think he's John Elway with a quicker ability to read the field and make the right decision. He is unreal, unreal. And that's
1: saying a lot because and I had I still have a great deal of respect for John Elway. yeah, um and and I remember I was in school in Boulder when John Elway was a was a rookie um in in the NFL. And uh, he did struggle in some of those early, his early going, right? Right. Uh, it did not come to him as quickly. And right. while he did try to carry a team early in his career, because he made them good pretty much right away, uh, but they weren't able to get over the hump. They had lost three Super Bowls before they end up winning two straight games, two straight Super Bowl games at the end of John's career. Right. Yep. So, but so as great as John was, what we're seeing Pat Mahomes do is even greater and we're seeing him do it or so early in his career that it speaks to the beautiful mind that he has. I I talked with Pat Mahomes, senior um, junior's dad. And uh, he told me that he used to interview Pat when he was a kid, like interview him, like, okay, you're the quarterback game's over. And he asked him all these tough questions because you remember his dad played in Major League Baseball with the yeah. likes of Jeter and A-Rod. And, yeah. So, you know, they were used to being around guys who who were the guys, guys who had done it and were still doing it at a right. high level in, in athletics. Right. And his dad said he would interview him and ask him these questions. He said, and Pat knew how to defer. He knew how to take the blame, but knew how to defer all the um, glory to his teammate. Like that came naturally to him. And to think about that kind of mindset in a young man, in a very young man, his father is teaching him how to deal with the media, how to really be gracious, which I think is just a great dad, by the way, (laughs) that you're teaching your son just how to be courteous to people, right? And so I just think that's phenomenal. Uh, But yeah, uh, Pat got a lot of it naturally, according to his father. Now, there was some nurturing going on, I think, with his dad, with other coaches that he had, and and then even when he came into the league with Andy Reid, and he played behind Alex Smith for one year. So he's always been like a sponge, right, Uh, just soaking it up and eating it up, And, and now we have this wonderful specimen of an athlete that, oh, by the way, I'm sure if you were to dive deep, Dave, and ask him, did you... Learn a little bit from watching Michael Jordan's last dance. Did you learn a little bit from the great Michael Jordan about how to be laser focused, how to draw from your enemies a little bit, to motivate yourself. Everything that I've seen in Michael Jordan, that we know about Michael Jordan, I see in Patrick Mahomes.
0: You know, it it's a great analogy. And, and you look at Michael Jordan, I mean, poor Charles Barkley. One of the greatest players ever, Michael Jordan said, now Charles, you know, not for you. That's what Mahomes is doing to all these other yeah. great quarterbacks. You know, Allen. Now Joe Burrow's three and one against him. He's one and one in the in the playoffs against him. Mm-hmm. And if he can stay healthy, hopefully he can he can interrupt this streak a little bit. But I mean, that's the only guy he's got a losing record against in, 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 in the, with these star quarterbacks. It's just it's incredible how he can turn it up. At, at the at the biggest moment, you know? And yeah. when I watched them play against the Raiders during the season, Solly, no way did I think that they were going to be holding Lombardi trophies like they are right now.
1: Yeah, it's like, that's the other component mm-hmm. that we ought to give credit to this team. Uh, because, you know, I've been, I've said this all at the Super Bowl, I, said, I think we have to get accustomed to seeing teams win and win championships, but if you were to dissect the team, you would say they're less than perfect. You and I grew up on the big red machine. Yep. Right. We grew up on the Yankees. We got with Reggie Jackson and great pitching, great hitting. We grew up on a dynastic team, whether it was the Green Bay Packers of the 60s, um, whether it was um the Cowboys and Steelers of the 70s, right? And right. and and even the 49ers of the 80s. Those teams you could. It was murderers row. If you just looked yeah. at the lineup, the Celtics and Lakers, there were no weak areas on, on those teams. That's what yeah. we were accustomed to. That's why they were called the Red Machine. <laughs> like it was it was it was a machine. It was unbeatable, unbreakable. And now with the salary cap, with free agency, these teams have to learn how to function and how to pull together uh to cover up their weak areas. That if you're not strong, and it's always been said that you know, chain's only as strong as its weakest link. It's even more so now are gonna be there's gonna be a weak link in the chain. But as a team, you gotta band together to protect that area. If it's the wide receivers, you know what you do if you're Andy Reid, like you did in the Super Bowl 58. You run the ball a little bit more, like you did with Isaiah Pacheco. You learn that um you gotta get the ball to Travis Kelsey. That's why you say I'm heated with Andy Reid. Like, what are we doing? What are we doing? We're giving the ball to people who are going to fumble it and 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 drop the ball and give the game away. That's why he was frustrated, because they have, they were getting away a little bit from the formula they had. But you've got to cover up some of those weak areas, yeah. and that's that's what we've got to become more accustomed to to really understanding that teams are not going to be perfect, but they still can win championships.
0: You know, it's it, it's remarkable the overtime rules changed when Patrick Mahomes went down the field on the first possession, the coin toss decided in AFC championship game, when Mahomes goes down and scores, Allen never gets a chance with possession. They changed the overtime rule. And now it's coming out that the 49er players weren't really aware of the changes in the overtime rule. And they're saying Shanahan wasn't quite totally aware of the changes in the overtime rule. I find that hard to believe. But what do you think when he they won the coin toss and he took the football, what did you think about that, Solly?
1: I, you know, I was okay with him taking the ball here. Yep. And I know a lot of people this morning were saying, no, he should have kicked the ball to Mahomes. That just listen to that. Yeah. You wouldn't do that in any overtime. Cause that guy is going to beat you. First of all, here's what Kyle Shanahan know. This is where I believe that people need to understand, man, you're not a coach. There's no way you know better than Kyle Shanahan. I mean, I just, this guy grew up at the feet of one of the great coaches our league has seen under Mike Shanahan, no his dad. No doubt. So, so here's the, here's what we're doing. Because everyone the next morning is so much smarter on what Kyle <laughs> should have done, right? Only yeah. because he lost. Because clearly he should have done something different. He lost.
0: Hindsight. Hindsight. But, 22. <laughs> but,
1: but in that scenario, he I, again, I know a lot of football people are saying this this morning. He, he did the right thing. Pat Mahomes, we call him the Grim Reaper because of this. You give him the ball last, he is yeah. going to beat you. At that point in the game, he had scored on three straight possessions to end the game in regulation. They went 11 plays, I think, what, 65 yards and 11 plays with three seconds left. Right, They tied the game up and send it into overtime. Now you're walking to the center of the field you're flipping the coin. Hear me out, Dave. Now, you're the Niners. You won the toss. You're going to put your defense back out on the field? Just hear me out. They were tired. Both sides are tired. You're going to the defense who tongues are wagging because they just got off the field. They just gave up an 11-play, 64-yard drive. Yep. They barely are, have time to get Gatorade, and you're going to say – Go try to stop Mahomes again. You haven't done it in the last three drives, but go do it again. That's what the coach knows that all the other um, second-rate, second-guessers on Monday morning didn't even think about, even though they have that information in front of them. But they just jump on to what other people say. Sounds good. Yeah, they should have not done that. Look, no, listen, Mahomes is going to score anyway. Right. What the Niners were trying to do, they needed to score and they needed to score a touchdown, but they kicked the field goal. They had come up with stops against uh, the Chiefs on their first four drives to begin the second half. They had an interception and then three consecutive punts by the Niners. It was on the third punt where the 49ers muffed the punt, yep. gave the ball back to Mahomes, and he scores on one play. Right on. And from that moment on, the complexion of the game changed. The momentum swung. Everything changed. The Niners' defense was dealing. So, yeah. I, look, I'm not. I'm going to not put them on the field right now. I'm going to let them get rest because we're going to have to come up with a stop with these new rules. But guess what? Uh, the Chiefs weren't stopping the Niners' offense either. They were going down. They were scoring. Um, just that on that drive, they end up having to settle for a field goal. But they were one of two down inside the red zone. It would have been another touchdown, but remember, uh, McCaffrey fumbled on the very first drive of the game. Yep. That was a, that was a red zone fumble. Yep.
0: You know, you look at it. How about San Francisco special teams? You Talk about the punt, the botch punt that hits the foot, and you you know instead of falling on it, trying to scoop it and return it or whatever, fall on the ball, please, man. Just mm-hmm. fall on it, recover the football, and then the blocked extra point. I mean, you know, he hits a 55- and 53-yard field goal but a high snap, you know, and then he kicks it like with his ankle almost, a low low kick that gets blocked. Two special teams gaffes cost him eight points. Like you said, after that uh, that watch punt, touchdown, the extra point blocked. Eight points on two special teams gaffes in a game that was an overtime game. Man, San Francisco 49ers special teams had a tough day, man. Yeah, Niners
1: needed that one point, didn't they? Because uh, the way things played out, uh, the Chiefs would have been on the last drive in regulation. They would have been driving, um, trailing by four, not by three. They would have had to score a touchdown uh, to take the lead. Um, A field goal would not have done them some good, any good at all, had they been trailing by four. Um, And that's if the Niners would have converted on the extra point. Um, so that goes to show you that it is a game of inches, that it does come down to these very minor detailed plays. You and I played the game. Coaches have always told us you never know when and where the deciding play of the game is going to happen. you got to play every single snap like it's your last, especially in a Super Bowl, right? I mean, every single play is critical. Every single moment is critical. Every single opportunity that you squander, you just left the door cracked open for Pat Mahomes and Andy Reid to kick that door open. Ten-point lead, you squander a double-digit loss, and you still have opportunities to win the game, but uh, that's where the game was won and lost, I thought, at least by the 49ers.
0: Shanahan, three Super Bowls. He has a ten-point lead or more at halftime. Double-digit lead or more at halftime has lost all three unbelievable I mean the nightmare keeps recurring it's like it's 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 absolutely crazy I mean that that's almost incomprehensible when you think about it a guy that is probably not gotten as much love as he probably should have Chris Jones prevented two touchdown passes I thought Purdy played very well Purdy has two touchdown opportunities Chris Jones gets such quick pressure he has to throw it before he really wants to and and they're, his receivers are there to make plays, but he can't quite make the throw he wants to make. Chris Jones, you know, it's a, oh, man, you look at his tackles, you look at his, get to the pressure column. Those two pressures were huge. They kept two touchdowns off the board, man. And and I think I'm, this is where I'm going to stop and
1: just point out the difference between as much as we like Brock Purdy, and I do, I'm a big fan of his. As much as we saw him post numbers, the game has never seen. His 9.6-yard per pass attempt, that's the best you've ever seen from a quarterback to start every game during the season in the NFL. Um, He set franchise records for passing yards in a single season. This is a franchise that had Steve Young and Joe Montana for multiple seasons, and he rewrites uh, franchise record books for passing and passer rating but the difference is right in there. What you just described, with Chris Jones breathing down his neck, hadn't hit him, hadn't sacked him yet. But the presence—that's what pressure really is. It's 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 void of the sack quotient, but it's the where you're close to getting sacked, where you're close to getting hit. You're feeling the presence of that defender, but still, can you stick that throw? Still, can you make that throw? Now, look—he's only a second. Your quarterback. Right. I've talked to to Ben Roethlisberger when Ben, I think was in his second or third year when they went to a Super Bowl against Seattle. Man, he was a different player in that game than he was later in his career when they played the Arizona Cardinals and he was throwing dimes. So this is not an indictment on Brock Purdy in terms of who he'll be. I think the fact that he's a second-year player, he's very young, that pressure like that is gonna bother you. But the really elite, you know this. And I, we got some guys who've been in this league for 10 years, and they can't make that throw while under pressure. And then I there's do. only a handful. And those are the guys that win championships. Those are the guys that really are very special, that they can throw the ball in those tight windows, even when they're under pressure. In 2021, the number one-rated quarterback in the NFL while under pressure was Joe Burrow. And he was ranked top five again in 2022. So he's an. – I'm just – given the data points to say that he is another quarterback like Patrick Mahomes that can still make those throws despite still being under pressure
0: all right so that leads me to uh to a segue here you mentioned Joe Burrow mm-hmm. the two years he's been totally healthy the Cincinnati Bengals they go to the AFC championship game and they go to the Super Bowl the other years you know not so much uh this year the two Super Bowl participants that just finished their classic Super Bowl decided in overtime. The Bengals beat the 49ers on the road October 29th, 31-17. Now the 49ers didn't have their left tackle, they didn't have their, you know, their uh Swiss Army knife in Debo Samuel. They they were down some 31-17 on the road at San Francisco. They intercepted Purdy more than once. And then uh December 31st at Kansas City. That's not that's not Joe Burrow quarterback, it's Jake Browning. It's a one-score game, 25-17. The Cincinnati Bengals, if they can keep Joe Burrow healthy, the two teams that went to the Super Bowl, they played him off their feet. The future looks decent, obviously, or better for the Bengals, doesn't it, Sally?
1: I think it does. Yeah, I think it looks real bright. Um, we have a we have an issue in our league right now where the quarterbacks can't stay healthy. And it's incumbent upon uh, several things. I think the rules have gone as far as we can go when it comes to protecting quarterbacks, right? And now we're asking quarterbacks to do a better job of protecting themselves. Um, I'll, I'll give, look, Tom Brady has said it. It's up to the quarterbacks not to throw the ball in harm's way to help protect receivers cause he's recognized now that he's on this side of it that man the players could do a better job of protecting themselves that the legislating of protection probably has gone as far as you can go without turning it into the pro bowl right without without turning it into something that it wasn't meant to be and so that's where and so teams are going to have to do a better job of building protection around the quarterback there's no doubt about it um i'm 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 not for listening to conversations that people put the onus on Joe Burrow to give money back to an organization. That that's a solution because it's not. We have not seen anywhere across the whole landscape of sports where a player says, "Here, I'm going to take a whole lot less," and the team takes that money and goes on and win championships. Just doesn't happen. You right. know this. <laughs> it doesn't right. happen. Let's let's think more corporately across any industry. Where would you go <laughs> ask the, the lowest paid people at the bottom of the organization to ask the people <laughs> to do the work of the people at the top of the organization to make them solve it in how they run a business? It's just, it's, it's not the right conversation to be having. I think it puts the wrong kind of eyeballs on a player like Joe Burrow, who by all intents and purposes has done everything within his power to deliver on the promise of bringing a championship. Right, so to even have that conversation, it becomes so divisive that I think it's unfair to him to be honest with you, because he's going to work and play as hard as he can. Uh, I get concerned also that because uh, I used to have these conversations with Andrew. Look, I'm like Andrew, man, you you play the game with this reckless abandonment. You got you got to take care of yourself. You got to get down. You got to. So I'm. I'm talking to Andrew. Like you need to do more to protect you, because no one else is coming to the rescue. <laughs> you know and uh, and then he ended up having to walk away from the game early. And we, as as football fans, were robbed of what I thought was going to be a Hall of Fame career. And I I feel the same way with Joe Burrow. Joe has a way of playing, where he plays with his heart. Right. He's a tough guy, but I'm telling you. The toughest quarterbacks, they don't play long. They just don't, they don't age well in our game. Right. It's the guys that say, up oh, they get they'll drop before they take that hit. They're, and that's not that they're a coward or that they're chicken. They understand the win-loss quotient of that equation. Like to do the right thing, staying healthy is really my number one job first. And then secondly, you know, all the other things. In terms of you know winning games and all those things, you cannot do that if you don't stay on the field. And so, finding a way to stay healthy is is priority number one. But he also needs some help from the organization to get that done. Like, for instance, if he wants to play every play on the shotgun, um, as a coach, I'm like, look, here's what putting you on the center really does. You know, it helps your offensive line to protect you better, right? Yeah, uh, it helps your, your receivers to get greater separation down the field. Um it does a lot of things for the offense as a whole. And at some point in time you've got to begin to put things into play that help the entire apparatus, even though the one player as great as he is may have a preference to do one thing. You've got to say if we're going to grow, if we're going to grow as a team, and if we're going to help um be help everyone on the offense be good, this is how we need to play. And uh, I, I think smart heads will prevail with that conversation.
0: That right there is a big reason why I wanted to catch up with Solomon Wilcots after the Super Bowl, Super Bowl 58, one of the most entertaining in Super Bowl history, because there's no doubt Patrick Mahomes is a football savant, beautiful mind. Joe Burrow, Andy Reid. I mean, you can go on and on, but Solomon Wilcots has a beautiful football mind as well. And that's why I love catching up with Solly. And Solly, uh, thanks for doing this with us. I know you had an unbelievably busy week doing all your, your shows, your podcasts, everything, radio, pod, everything you do, you did on radio. we out there. I know it can be exhausting. I know Vegas had to be, man, 10 pounds of crap in a five-pound bag out there. I mean, it had to be overflowing everywhere. And you know, so- I,
1: I'll say this. The NFL is great, Dave. It's grown Um, at a level, it's like the mothership, right? If you're on board, man, there's so much that we can do to help each other and the way that the league helps us and the way they allow us to use their platforms to do other business, right? Whether it's, you know, I work in public relations with healthcare and biotech and pharmaceutical businesses who bring their products and services to the market that really do help people, right? It's about treatments And it's about those things that we sometimes take for granted because they need FDA approval. And by the way, all the drugs that we use now, uh, that when we find ourselves ill and then we find ourselves feeling better as a result, someone had to go through some clinical trial process to bring those services to market. And now we're doing that. We're helping, um, helping companies accomplish the same because people are being helped and being healed. And the NFL platform is helping us do that. And so um, kudos to Roger Goodell and many of the people in the front office uh, in New York who work with this league and understand the power that they have to really help so many different businesses, what they call their business partners. You and I both know because you know how they operate. Sure. Uh, it's it's really great to be a part of it. I don't, I don't know how much longer I'm going to do this, but while I'm doing it, I'm going to try to at least do some good with it.
0: And you do, Solly. I mean, uh, you're you're an unbelievable ambassador to to the National Football League, and uh, it's just it's a prideful thing. I mean, we both played. Now yeah. we're both still doing things with the National Football League and some sort of an affiliation, and it's it's a an honor and a privilege to be associated with uh, an entity that understands how big it is, and how important it is, and how much it can help others. I mean, it really is a privilege.
1: It really is, and I'll tell you this because it's. There seemed to be a lot of talk about Taylor Swift, right? But look, Commissioner Roger Goodell said in at his press conference in Las Vegas that she has drove she has driven the number upward. Yep. Yep. She's brought more people to our game um, who otherwise may not even know who Travis Kelsey is, right? Without her, and the fact that we're bringing in young ladies who are now excited about our game. I think that's cool. Um, The fact that we have more people watching our game, more than ever, I think that's cool. The fact that she drove 1% of the gross domestic product, 1% (laughs) of the GDP, either directly or indirectly. She moves the needle at the cash register. And uh, Dave, you know this as well as I do. In sports, they're keeping two scores. One on the scoreboard, the other at the cash register. So absolutely. It's, it's something we got to pay attention to. So, we, so I just wanted to put that out there.
0: No question about it, Solly. Bring on the Swifties. Bring them on. <laughs> I mean, that's powerful. The it's powerful. More, the more the merrier, right? The more no the merrier. doubt. No doubt. Solly, as always, spending time with Solomon Wilcox, talking football and business and whatever, never disappoints. You're the best, my man. Appreciate your time.
1: You're the best as well. Thanks, Dave. Keep up the good work.
0: Thank, Thank you. Thank you. you too, Solly. Dave Lapham here, and every day I am grateful for my experience to have played professional football. As a player, I realize self-motivation, leadership, and appreciating your teammates are key. At First Star Logistics, you can use those same attributes to create the life you want for you and your family. Build your future by working hard like I did. You'll see results both on and off the field. Call First Star Logistics today and be part of our winning team.